This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the inspirational, informational, and transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. You know, being a flight instructor is both rewarding and challenging. Many never consider the job of flight instructor as a career path due to low pay and teaching in small airplanes. But you know, working as a flight instructor for an airline can be very lucrative, and it'll fulfill both your desire to teach and also to fly. With me today is Justin Ash, an adjunct airline pilot uh, uh, instructor for a major airline. Uh, Justin was a guest on a previous episode, and you know he loves to help people fulfill their dreams, both financially and also in the aviation world. And take a look at episode 167, where we talk about starting your financial life early. And we just talked financial stuff there. But today, we're going to talk airplanes. Uh, so, But before we get started, I have a couple of announcements. Uh, number one, uh, the Scholarships 2018 book. Remember we said we're going to continually update it? 1.2 version is available in the iTunes store. Uh, and I have a link to that uh, on the website. Well, actually, just go to aerospacescholarships.com, click on the iTunes version, and uh, you'll be able to find that there. Uh, also, I have a link in the show notes to the current version. And also, we're updating the Amazon version. Now, a lot of you have asked me about the PDF version when that's coming out, and it was supposed to be out this month. We've had a little technical problems with our podcast and our feed. I know some of you may have noticed, uh, so we've we fixed all those technical problems. We had to make sure we got the, the show out first, and uh, I've spent a lot of sleepless nights getting that, that all fixed. So now that that's done, we can move on to putting the PDF out there. And basically what that is... If you, if you purchase the bundle of courses that we have, we have many different courses. If you go to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash courses, uh, we have uh, all the d- different technical courses. We also have a resume course coming out, and we also have a technical interview course coming out, and also an uh, interview course on like personnel questions and stuff like that. What we're going to be doing is this with the, uh, with the book. First of all, if you buy the bundle, you'll get the PDF file, which is constantly updated. It's what we formerly had as the membership, and you will actually get the most current. But if you buy the scholarships guide either on the Amazon or at iTunes, we're going to be updating on that throughout the year. So if you have purchased it in Amazon or you've purchased it in iTunes, uh, what happens is you just re-download the book, and I'll have the newest version. Uh, iTunes does a good job where you can go out there and you'll look at the book, and it'll show you the most current version and say, okay, I think it's right now, as of this uh, podcast, 1.2 is a version. And it'll actually show you the new, new. Uh, I think it's the iHeart. Oh, I can't remember, actually. It's, it's a new um, uh, uh, scholarship that we added to it, and it'll tell you what the different changes are. So check that out. Also, aviationcareerspodcast.com slash courses, we're going to have uh, technical interviews, resumes. We also have all those other technical classes, flying IFR in Florida, you know, a winter flying guide, a lot of different, the holding patterns guide, all these other things like the pilot jobs book even we'll have out there. And people ask me what the difference is between the pilot jobs book and the resume course we're doing. The resume course we're doing for just one simple resume is a quick course on how to put a resume together because you have an interview in a day or two. The pilot jobs book is actually a, it's a campaign as to how to get a job with 
whomever you want as far as an employer, and it teaches you how to kind of follow along, matching your resume to your cover letter, et cetera. With the just the resume course, I wanted I wanted to get that out there so that people can just go ahead and put together a quick resume because like tomorrow I've got an interview. I don't know how to do an airline or a pilot inter, uh, resume, and it is different. But uh, anyway, with that said, that's all our announcements. Of course, follow us on our Facebook page, our Twitter feed, and uh, hopefully we'll see some of the air shows. Uh, what we're going to be doing is going to, uh, through our other one, Stuck Mike Avcast, we're going to be going to a, a daily show at uh, Sun and Fun. So we may have a pause in Aviation Careers podcast. We may not. Uh, what we're thinking of doing there is just is interviewing people at the show in different aviation careers and then putting down uh, out episodes, maybe even on individual days for that. But we'll, we shall see. Uh, as you can tell, I have a little bit of a cough, a cold, and that's because uh, I was out flying and uh, had a, <laughs> um, a few reroutes and things like that. Had a couple, two nights in a row of minimum rest, like 10 hours a night. And then the third night, I got a lot of rest, but I think I, when I went out to dinner, I caught a cold from somebody else. Uh, so uh, hopefully I'll be well enough to fly tomorrow because i got to start another trip. It's just been a real challenge with all these, these storms up in the Northeast. Uh, but anyway, uh, today I have with me uh, Justin Ash again. Like I said, he's uh, an instructor for an, a major airline. He's on the E-190, the Embraer 190. And uh, he's been helpful in the past, but he really wanted, and, and I know a lot of you have asked for somebody to talk about being an instructor pilot at an airline, because a lot of you think it's only about the flying. You can actually be, a, you can teach at an airline, actually, even without touching an airplane, obviously. I mean, we have systems instructors and stuff like that, but you can do a little bit of both. And, and Justin has the best of both worlds, and he gets to fly, and he also gets to teach. So Justin, welcome to the podcast. It's, been, it's awesome uh, having you, you back on the show. Thanks, Carl. Um, I really appreciate being back and, and look forward to getting to talk about um, the uh, the teaching and instructing world. So it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Well, awesome. And uh, Justin, again, thanks for the other episode. But uh, just real quickly, I know we talked about it on the last episode. You have a, a really extensive background in aviation. You're, you've basically grown up uh, around airline flying and aviation uh, all your life. So so tell us a little bit about yourself as far as that background. And, uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about, you know, why you should become an instructor pilot. Yeah, for sure. So I, I was. My uh, my father was a pilot for 30-plus years, and he was at the 121 uh, level or in the 121 world for over 23 years. Retired about 10 years ago. So I grew up with him. My, my mom and dad met on a glider port, and um, I kind of came after that and grew up uh, around gliders and things of that nature. And then as I got older, uh, did a little bit of flying with my dad and was always talking aviation with my dad and just kind of got to see it, you know, as, as the son of a pilot. And then my father was a professor, an aviation um, instructor, professor, and a CFI, double IMEI for a very long time. So I think I inherited that instructor gene. My dad still very much enjoys teaching today. And so and then I started my aviation career back in 2002 while I was in college, and I'm still um, a CFI double MEI today. I've had those ratings since 2004, so goodness, uh, 14 years now, um, or 2005, sorry, so 13 years now, and I've been teaching the whole time. So I've, I've taught at 
the uh, introductory level, you know, the intro level of, you know, private instrument, all that. I did that for several years. I've got um, a lot of dual given in those areas. And then I've also been a line check airman on the SOP 340 and now an adjunct instructor at, at JetBlue. So. Awesome, man. And with that adjunct professorship, it's uh, what's really cool is the fact that um, you get to fly in. Also, um, you get to teach, which is which is really cool. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. As far as being an instructor, there are so many people like myself. I love to teach. I could teach all day long. I also love to fly. And uh, we all have to figure out what's the best way for us to do that. I get to do that because of the podcast. I get to teach people stuff, you know, both in the Stuck Mike Avcast and here, which is so cool. Uh, maybe you don't want to start a podcast and have the headache of putting one out every week. So, hey, why not go work at the airline? So uh, one of the reasons I think people become uh, instructor pilots at airlines is they, they really, really want to teach. And, uh, and they also want to learn more about the airplane. But, you know, I'd like you to talk a little bit about, you know, why you decided to, to become an instructor pilot at your airline as opposed to being a just a full-time line pilot well the instructor role is is a is really a, a nice role at the airline level um, it's a different style of teaching and it allows you to step outside of that day-to-day flying uh, pardon me and um so being able to kind of go do both is really what attracts me to it. And, and here at JetBlue with the adjunct instructor position, you have an opportunity to do that. You know, I get an opportunity to teach for a couple of months in the schoolhouse, and then I get to go back to the line for a month or two and teach there or fly the line as a, as a line pilot. And so for me, it really interests me and it's really great for myself because I enjoy the teaching aspect of it. I enjoy teaching and I enjoy flying and I get to combine the two and I get to combine the two with my colleagues. You know, I'll I'll be teaching and doing recurrent and a captain that I fly with, you know, up in Kennedy or Boston will come through the the training center for recurrent and get to kind of, you know, do their recurrent and talk with them. And it's just, it's great because you get to work with your colleagues on multiple different levels and, and really enables you to stay in the books and stay current on what's going on and the changes. Cause that's what I find too. Sometimes as a line pilot, it, you almost feel like it's hard to keep up with everything. Whereas if you're in the schoolhouse here and there, you, you catch up on everything, you know, everything coming down the line with all the changes in our industry. So I enjoy it. The bouncing back and forth between the two roles is, I, I think, uh, one of the, the funner things, one of the funner roles you can have. So, so you, you, know, you said something there as far as changes, I, and I think people don't understand this, and I have a tough time explaining this, but and maybe since you're a part of that, you could explain it better as an aside. Things change a lot at the airlines. Like if you're gone for 24 months, uh, you're going to have to basically do all the training over again as far as, you know, the procedures, et cetera. Uh, maybe you could shed some light on that. I mean, how many changes do you see and and uh, what type of impact does that have on someone who's been away from flying for a while? Oh, the changes are, are constant. You know, here at JetBlue, we're constantly having changes with our SOPs and our checklists and things of that nature. I actually just had a a gentleman come through that was on leave of absence for, I believe, 18 to 20 months. And in that last 18 to 20 months, uh, you know as well, uh, Carl, we've had 
a lot of different changes here at, at JetBlue with our SOPs and our flows and our checklists and things like that. And that's exactly what he said to me. And he's like, man, I feel like I'm coming back to a different airline. I had to relearn all this stuff. And so being part of the schoolhouse, when we roll all that stuff out, and being an instructor who's involved in that, I get to see it firsthand. And I get to go into the sim and and run through it and, and kind of get exposure to it before it goes full-time live. And it gives you that early mindset of, okay, these changes are coming. This is what it's going to look like rather than even if it's somebody who hasn't been away from the industry um, on say leave of absence, I find with people who fly a minimal amount, you know, people who bid reserve and they won't fly a trip for six or seven weeks And in that six or seven weeks, something has been rolled out. But, you know, they're at home busy with their personal life and they come back to the line to do that one turn that they call got called in for reserve. And it's like, whoa, you know, a lot of this stuff has changed. So it's it's very easy because our industry is so dynamic Um, and being in the schoolhouse keeps you really focused on that stuff and enables you to stay on top of it. So. So one of the things that I, I love to tell people is that, you know, being being an instructor at an airline is very, very challenging, and uh, people don't get it. They And I think you, you just pointed it out, which I'm, I'm so happy you did. Uh, when you're at an airline, a lot of times you go through current training, constantly doing stuff online, learning online, et cetera. That's one of the cool things about the job is the fact that you're constantly learning new things. Uh, of course, at the airline level, you know, you, you know, 90% of the stuff, it's the top 10% that makes you, it makes you an expert in your field and it may, it makes you excel. And, and so one of the things that, we have in an airline, in any airline you work for, is the fact we have recurrent, but we also have recurrent training uh, that is online courses and there's different things that come out. Uh, you're involved in more like a simulator instructor, and we're going to talk a little bit about your position specifically because you have a, a very unique situation. Uh, but I was wondering, because you are in the schoolhouse, I'm assuming that you also somehow interact with those people that are putting out the training for the online stuff. Cause you're all, you know, there's people that do all sorts of stuff. There's the guys that do online, et cetera. So this has got to be a massive group of people. And how, how in the world do, you, do they coordinate all this training so that you find something in the sim that people are having problems with? How do you get that to the line through their recurrent training and their online training? How does that, how does that actually happen? There's a lot of different avenues and you're right, there's, you know, the process is um, uh, somewhat robust. You have, so you have a, the front, what we call frontline people, which is myself, your line check airmen, the people who are actually in the sims or on the line. And what we do is we are the frontline uh, people who gather the data, kind of take a look at what we're seeing. And then we submit that data to generally the standards team and the standards team breaks it down, tracks it, see if there's trends, different things like that. And then once they break it down and kind of see what the trends are, a lot of times they'll actually funnel it back to us and allow us to kind of take a look at some of the findings and what we think and then get some of our input on how we think we could approach this to better facilitate training that either in recurrent or on the line. Does it need to be an SOP change or does it merely need to be something we touch on in recurrent? 
And then once we decide that, it goes to the lack of a better term, the writing team, and they write it either into uh, the SOPs, which that's going to be the standards department, or if they write it into our AQP program, that's going to go to the AQP manager, who's going to write that into the AQP training curriculum. And then that'll get trained either for the new hires or for uh, people coming through recurrent. So it's a process, but it's, it's nice nowadays, especially with AQP and things like that. Uh, we can really kind of break things down and then we bounce it back and forth. So if there's any kind of learning that comes out, a lot of the stuff they send to us to do prior and see what we think, get our input, um, and then they'll go back and revise it and send it out to the pilots. One of the things I, I think is really interesting about the, your position is that you get to hear some some really cool stories from the line and learn from those because uh, you you get to get all these experiences. So, for instance, I actually uh, was involved in something recently where uh, we found out there was an issue with our SOP and uh, we filed a safety report, etc. But you would think that things would happen, you know, very quickly in that in that fact of having a new, you know, SOP, et cetera. But it's different when you have thousands of pilots like you do or any airline does. You have to, first of all, make make the change, get it approved by the FAA, then move it forward to the line. And that's what we talk about, about changes. There is constantly, and here's here I am, last month found an issue with our, with our manual, and uh, we now are looking at getting it fixed. But in the meantime, uh, you actually have to put out notifications to the folks on the line but then you need to change the manuals and then move forward, and that could be months of processing, and, and that can be a it's a challenge right there getting that done. So it's really it's really a fascinating business. Uh, just one little thing that comes out, you can't just say okay, let's change this and like a like a smaller flight school or something like this. You have thousands of pilots, you have flight standards and approvals you have to go through. So I think that that's really cool. Uh, talking about your job though. You're doing something rather unique, and we're going to talk about the full-time flight instructors, but also this thing uh, that we talked about. It's called an adjunct instructor at an airline. Similar to, you know, like an adjunct professor at a college, you're not there full-time, you're part-time. And uh, one of the things that I think is interesting is how they use adjunct professors at all the different airlines, excuse me, adjunct instructors, they call them. Uh, you're, you're somebody that comes in and works, you know, just part-time. So I was wondering if you could explain how that works as far as as being an adjunct you know in other words what's your work schedule is do you work a month on a month off and also you know give us some some reasons as to you know why you would want to become an adjunct professor you know as far as the airline is concerned what what the benefits are to an individual thinking about it like somebody listening right now yeah yeah carl there's so the adjunct position is is a unique position and I, I think it's a, a great position that we utilize fairly well. And what it allows me to do is it allows me to live, if you will, a double life, basically. You know, I have my line flying that I do. Typically, uh, with my airline, we do two months on, two months off. So two months in the schoolhouse, two months on the line, two months in the schoolhouse. So you're getting six months of exposure to both which is a really nice balance. And it allows you that flexibility um, to go back and forth. And it allows you that flexibility. What I, what I really like about it, and you touched on this a second ago, was 
I can come into the schoolhouse and I learn more from my students than I could ever learn from probably a book or something like that. I mean, the students really just being able to watch people and the things that they do, the mistakes that they make with new SOPs and everything else. Um, it's not because I'm looking for mistakes. It's because I'm looking at going, you know what, that's something I could mess up. I'm going to remember not to do that, you know? And so you learn a lot and then you can take that back to the line and you can share that with your line pilots, uh, and the guys and, and girls that you're flying with. Um, and you can share that with them. Yeah. I saw this happening in the, in the sim last month. So that's really nice. It's also really nice to, you know, uh, for a lot of us that commute, it takes the commute away, especially if you live uh, where your training facility is for your airline versus where you fly out of. So I enjoy that. I get a couple months break from commuting um, and then I go back to it. So that's that's really nice as well. So it, it provides that flexibility, um, you know, and uh, provides you with an opportunity to kind of do both and, and I think benefit both sides. Um, with that role. So the adjunct role is definitely a, a chameleon type of role for sure. And um, I know here, you know, my airline, they're, they're a big advocate of it and, and the program works really well. So, so let's talk a little bit about that program. You were, you're talking about uh, how you're on and off, but there's got to be a benefit. Let's talk the financial benefit. There's uh, a regular line pilot. I know, for instance, I try to do like 70 hours to 80 hours a month of flying. As an adjunct, when you go to the, like the schoolhouse, like you said, um, there's some benefits there. I think they give you a, a minimum pay that's better than a regular line pilot. Is that correct? Yeah. So when you're in the schoolhouse as an adjunct, uh, now this is just, you know, my airline, um, you're paid at uh, a rate. Usually you get a hard rate. So you'll get, um, we get 90 hours, some places maybe 85 or 95, but we get 90 hours. So for me to make 90 hours on the line as a commuting pilot uh, is not easy. You know, I've got to fly a lot and I've got to give up a lot of days off. So absolutely, the monetary side of it is is really nice. So we get that hard 90 hours um, and then I get that hard 90 hours uh, with being home every night, which is a huge plus for me. It gives you kind of that break. And then on top of that, a lot of times if you are an adjunct instructor who is coming in from somewhere else, commuting in from somewhere else, You'll also get what they call TDY status, which is uh, basically temporary domicile, if you will. And with that comes all the hotels are paid for. You're going to get per diem on top of that. Um, TDY is pretty common at most airlines. And the adjunct position, because you're still part of flight operations, so I'm still technically a line pilot that's based somewhere else, uh, when they bring me in, then I am out of domicile. So they provide that TDY status. And that comes with a, a monetary benefit as, along with if you needed hotels or anything like that, you don't require a crash pad. So they really take care of you too, which is nice. So you you go, your, your adjunct position, you teach, you go back to the line, you have this really cool deal going on there. You're flying, for instance, for me, I fly like 600 to 800 hours a year. How would you compare the amount of flying you do in the actual airplane uh, to somebody who's a line pilot? It's 
pretty different, especially if the schoolhouse is busy. So you have to bear that in mind whenever you take on one of these positions that uh, you could be giving up a little bit more of your time to be in the schoolhouse if they get busy. I would say our adjuncts average about 200 hours a year, 200 to 250 hours a year. If it's a busy year in the schoolhouse, you might be a look right at 200 or a little under. If you're doing your full six months on the line, you would probably be closer to that three or 400 mark. Um, so I'd say they probably average 300 and depending on how many months. So like last year, we were busy in the schoolhouse and I was doing more of a three to one ratio. So I was doing three months in the schoolhouse, one month on the line, and it created a real, I only flew, I think I flew 174 hours last year. So, wow, yeah. <laughs> so it's a, it's a little different. It depends. Cause they like to, as an adjunct, they like to pull you in when they get busy. So they'll do, you know, they'll pop that in there and you lose that month on the line. That's, you know, 60, 70 hours a block. So, yeah. I, I I'm yeah. glad you said that it segues into the next question. You know, why airlines use adjunct instructors and, uh, the, the great thing, especially any school an adjunct uh, professor, teacher, allows you to have a kind of a scalable workforce where, just like you said, if, if they need somebody right away, boy, they can just they can just grab you up and pull you and say, hey, listen, we need you to work a, a few extra months. So there's one of the benefits. Uh, what are some of the other benefits to an airline, uh, to having an adjunct professor? Well, the adjunct instructor, kind of what you said, it provides them a lot of flexibility, you know, so especially... Uh, with different fleet types, you know, there tends to be peaks and valleys on that fleet with people coming through. So you can better staff, you know, because when you don't need those people, you can send them back to the line. And then uh, on top of that, you know, I find that the airline enjoys the idea of um, having their line pilots coming back and forth because, I, I think they like it because the pilots like it. And I've found that a lot of fellow pilots really like the adjunct um, instructors because they feel like they have that connection. They feel like they have that common line connection. You know, when somebody comes in and they're like, yeah, you know, I was going into um, into Ponce or I was going into Buffalo and Buffalo is just, you know, the construction of it is just ridiculous or, you know, whatever it is, I can relate to that because I was just there, you know, and I can talk to them about that and they can tell me about some of the, the problems or, or like you said, you know, if there's a problem within the, uh, the 10 page, you know, or something like that with the taxi diagram where construction's not illustrated or in the ABG, uh, the airport briefing guide, um, something like that. So I, I think it's the relatability and I think they really like that. And I think the airline likes the fact that the information, it's almost easier to get information to the line pilots because when we go back to the line, we naturally disseminate that information, uh, with the people that we're flying with and coming in contact with. So, so I love, I love what you said though, about being relatable to the line. Cause some of my favorite instructors were ones that had flown the line. I've uh, had a lot of, uh, systems instructors that were retired and they flew the airplane for like 20 years and they'd say, okay, this is what, this is how the system works. But in the real world, this is how the system works. And I'm sure you probably find instances of that. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's definitely, you know, just like everything in this business, it's there's a practical side to things. 
um, there's a black and white book written side to things and a practical side to things. And I really enjoy that. I enjoy being able to, to relate to both sides. You know, somebody will ask a question and they're like, well, this seems like I could do this this way and this way. And I'm like, yeah, so this is the way that it can be accomplished. This is what the book says and how to do it. However, on the line, you're going to find a lot of times this is how it's going to go. And being able to relate and have that commonality, absolutely. It's, you know, and it helps them because they feel like you understand where their questions are coming from um, versus, you know, I, I've heard people, you know, they're like, well, I, was, I had this question and they just kept telling me that's what the book says, but that's not what we do on the line. I'm like, yeah, I get it. So um, the commonality, I think, is the foundation of it and really helps bridge a lot of gaps. So I tell you, this sounds like a cool position, uh, what you do. As far as a flight instructor, an adjunct instructor, uh, it gives you the best of both worlds. But uh, I think a lot of people are they're worried that if they want to become one, they, they have to have all these qualifications. I think the one thing that I hear, and I get this question quite a bit, and, and you can answer this one, is – they feel they have to be a CFI and be current to be able to teach at the airlines. And that isn't true, is it? No, you do not have to be a current CFI um, to teach at the airline. They have an, an instructor program that everybody's going to go through uh, just like you would. Generally, it's kind of coupled to an upgrade program because you have to be um, you have to be a qualified captain on the aircraft in order to teach because you're teaching captains and first officers, uh, but you don't have to be a current qualified CFI. A lot of airlines like to see some teaching background. They like to see that you were maybe a CFI at one point, or even just if you taught something else, you know, if you, you had another passion that you kind of taught or, or did something else, they want to see that, that teaching desire, but CFI is not a mandate for it. No. So if somebody's interested in trying to make themselves uh, more palatable to an airline to be an instructor someday, it is a good idea, though, to get that instructor position or CFI or have done some other teaching like in a, in a schoolhouse somewhere or if you have a background in teaching or training in, in any field. So I, uh, whatever that is, I mean, make sure you put that in your resume. I, I'm assuming you'd agree with that, Justin. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that it doesn't even have to be – like I said, uh, you know, Carl, it can be anything, anything. A line check airman. They love line check airmen. Line check airmen aren't in the school, schoolhouse trainers. But maybe at your previous airline or your current airline, you have an opportunity to be become a line check airman. That'll go a long ways because who knows that your next airline, maybe you live in the training domicile and you decide, you know what, it'd be kind of nice to do an adjunct position or a part-time instructing position. And having that previous line check airman experience will go a long ways. So usually they just want to see that kind of extra effort because with it, bear in mind, with it comes extra time and extra effort. You know, you have to stay up on the SOPs. You, you know, you're going to field a lot of questions, uh, things like that. So they want somebody that that wants to put in that extra effort as well. So. So it isn't just, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize you're probably going to spend a little more time uh, as an instructor at work and uh, because you're going to be so involved in all these different projects. It's not like going out, flying the airplane, you landed, you're good, you go to the hotel, you're done. 
you go online as an instructor, you teach somebody, and all of a sudden something comes up, and you realize, hey, wait a minute, there's an issue in our training or uh, with this this individual, and I need to do more. So you could wind up working a few more hours and uh, than a line pilot, I'm assuming. You can, you can. It's it's sometimes somewhat left up to the instructor. However, they are always looking for feedback and. You're absolutely right. You can't just kind of how we do, you know, when we fly the line, we show up. Um, I actually did a turn yesterday morning and it was interesting. I'm like, this is really nice. Um, (laughs) You know, I show up to the airplane, I get on, I do my job, we do a Nassau turn, we get back and I'm walking off the airplane at 1030 and my day is done. That switch goes off, you know, and so That's really nice. And with the instructor position, and I think in order to be an effective instructor, you have to shed that mentality a little bit when you're in the training department, because you're going to have people who have questions, people who struggle that may need an extra 10 or 15 minutes of your time. Um, You're going to have things come down the pipe with new SOP where they're going to, they generally don't require us, but they ask, hey, could you guys just read through this for us? And make sure we didn't goof something up too bad, you know, type of deal. And it might be 15, 20 minutes worth of reading. And, uh, you know, it's it's important because the people coming through are only going to get it. They're only going to get the level of quality of instruction that the instructors are willing to put into it. And it's so important for for us, you know, in maintaining that that quality level. And um, so, yeah, it does come with it, but I wouldn't say it's strenuous, but there's absolutely some extra activities. There's always the extra meetings. You know, we have the annual instructor slash APD slash line check airman meeting that we do. And then usually about every three months, we have another little instructor meeting that we have to attend, things of that nature. But you're compensated for all that. So it's it's not too big of a deal. So you got to fly the line, which was kind of cool yesterday. You did an Nassau turn, and uh, just to go back to actually flying the airplane, that was kind of cool to get to see the. Uh, you said you went to Nassau. That's in the Bahamas. The beautiful, you know, water there. I'm sure that was a, a wonderful sight. Yeah, it was a good trip. It was a good trip. It was nice to get back um, and uh, kind of get back into the airplane. I actually had to do the turn because I've been here in the schoolhouse, and we've been so busy. I was going to dequal. Um, I had to get my landings in. So I ended up picking up a little Nassau turn yesterday and it was really nice. The weather was beautiful. It was in the early morning. Um, you know, we had a 7 a.m. departure and just being able to fly that time of morning, nice, smooth air, get out to Nassau, get a little bit of that fresh o- ocean breeze and then come back. It, it was nice. It's it's definitely nice. And that's another perk that you get with the instructor position is you have the ability to buy off trips and in order to get your own flying in and do the things you need to do. So when you get to buy off trips, you get to buy off the nice ones. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting you said that because as, as a line pilot, line pilots love instructors because uh, I remember getting a call from an instructor saying, hey, listen, we're going to buy this turn off of you. Are you okay with that? I'm like, wait a minute, I'm going to get paid and I get to go home early? 
yeah, I'm going to do that. <laughs> so it, it, and you're like you said, it's usually those trips. I remember, I think it was like a Montego Bay turn that I had to do. And uh, an instructor called me and says, or sent me an email, says, hey, I want to take this trip from you. And they also were in the same boat. They were instructing, needed to get current. And uh, we as pilots absolutely love the instructors and love getting those, those trips bought off us. As a matter of fact, even to go further into that, as a first officer, a lot of guys will uh, actually bid check airmen lines. In other words, people that they know are check airmen because if there's a lot of IOE, initial operating experience going on, then they have to fly with a first officer to get them that experience. And what they do is they, they buy you off that trip, and uh, it's actually really nice uh, to be able to either sit at home, get paid, or maybe even pick up another trip. You, know, you never know, and make some extra money. So we hats off. We like you guys. <laughs> yeah, it works out really nice. Yeah, it's the adjunct role I find that the line guys like us for multiple reasons. We buy their trips. We can relate to them. So yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, so, and you talked about being current. Obviously, you have to get out there, get your landings, and you hear about that all the time. Is you know, there's you know, an instructor pilot needs to get their landings. They got to buy off this trip. Um, one of the things that I think is interesting is we talked about adjunct professor. You're you teach in the simulator, um, but there's other instructors involved and. In, and as far as your your simulating instructing, do you do anything else at the at the schoolhouse uh, as far as teaching like classes and stuff like that? Yeah, we'll do. Uh, so we teach ground school as well. So our our instructors are signed off, certified, uh, whatever term we want to put on there. But um, to do ground school as well as sim. So for instance, tomorrow. I will teach ground school in the morning. I'll do about uh, two hours of teaching with ground school in the morning. And then in the afternoon, I'll be in the sim. So it it's, depends on your day, depends on what you get signed up for. That's all uh, part of our our robust scheduling team. Uh, just like when you were on the line, you know, you've got crew schedulers that schedule all your trips. And if there's any changes or anything like that, you call crew scheduling. Uh, it's the exact same for us. We have a uh, an instructor scheduling team that schedules all of our stuff, <clears throat> excuse me, they move it around, things of that nature. So, and they'll throw ground school on you, sims, um, anything that you're qualified to do generally within the aviation. So you've got ground school instructors and then you have your initial instructors and those instructors can teach ground school and usually do recurrent. And then once you're comfortable with the recurrent, then you'll start to do new hires. And especially in AQP, where everything is kind of siloed, you may get signed off to do one version of new hire first, then another version or another segment, if you will. And so I teach ground school, recurrent and new hires. And then once you are at that level, you can kind of do anything involving that. The next level is what they call a check pilot. So a check pilot can do in-house um, recurrent like line observations, things of that nature, basically your recurrent check ride. Um, and then once you are a check pilot, usually people will move to the APD status, which is that is the FAA designation of a of um being able to give check rides. So an initial, an example of that would be an initial new hire going for their type ride on the Airbus or on the 190. That would have to be facilitated by an APD. 
And that APD has FA authority to give certificates. So there's multiple roles in there that you can, and usually what it is, is it's just a stacking process. And so you start with ground school and basic recurrent, and then you kind of build on that. So there's many different things you can do. You can jump in, and if you want to make your life the training center, I think uh, being an adjunct is, in my mind, a great way to get started, you know, because you kind of get feel for, hey, would I want to do this full time? And uh, it's a great way to get your foot in the door. Uh, I tell you, you've got me sold. Maybe I I might just apply for an adjunct at my airline. So uh, it's it's actually sounds like a lot of fun. It's it's challenging, et cetera. Uh, We talked, you told us a lot about the flight instructor type positions. There's also other people that teach at the schoolhouse. And uh, say somebody's listening and people are are from all roles in, in this world. Is there any other instructor positions that they have at the airline that's other than, say, pilots? I'm assuming there's maybe people in the safety department, et cetera. Yeah, you've got instructors for each various position. Um, You have safety. So you could become – that would be teaching the safety course for recurrence and new hires. And then you're mostly involved in uh, writing the safety um, SOPs and things of that nature for the airline. And then you would teach the safety courses. There's the standards department, which does a lot of work. Uh, they write a lot of our, what they call quarterly distance learning. Um, they come up with all the new SOPs. They handle the QRH revisions. They handle all of that. And then you have the AQP side of things. Um, you've got your AQP writers and managers who manage the AQP program. So they manage the actual outline or footprint of how a new hire or a recurrent pilot would come through and what they would actually see. So they'll write out, okay, these are the sequence of events that you're going to go through in your in your first day of recurrent and the sequence of events in your second day of recurrent. So, um you can get into any one of those roles and really kind of you've got really you've got safety standards, AQP, and then your SIM instructors. And all of those roles kind of come with a different if you enjoy more of the writing side of things and you enjoy more of the curriculum development side of things, you could absolutely get into an AQP or a standards role. Um, which are, you're still going to be a pilot. You know, all of our standards guys are, are all pilots. And um, or you can get into more of the actual hands on instructing side, which is going to be your SIM instructors, your APDs, your ground school instructors and, and those people. And in general, there's many uh, jobs as far as instructing is concerned for other things other than flight ops here. I mean, you have in-flight, um, maintenance, we hit, and we're going to have some of those folks on as far as talking about teaching at the schoolhouse. It, it really is cool. If you're into teaching, uh, I think uh, you know a lot of people want to look at going to a college, et cetera, but it, it can be a lot of fun at an airline, uh, just as much fun because you are taking people uh, from zero time to actually flying in an airplane. I think sometimes we feel that – we don't get that excitement when we're working in an airline. I've heard that. It's like, well, I want to work with you know young people, et cetera. But uh, I think, and, and let me know if I'm wrong, I think that it can be just as exciting as an instructor, especially when you get to see new hires coming in for the first time. You teach on the 190, uh, you know, being able to fly this and actually getting their type rating, et cetera. So I'm sure you get to see some of that excitement. Oh, yeah. You definitely do. I mean, you know, in the airline industry, it can 
uh, become a little bit mundane, if you will, um, if you let it. But if you reach out there, I mean, especially now, Carl, I mean, you know this better than anybody, the amount of people coming through the aviation training um, at various levels, you know, and so right now you have all these ab initio programs that are starting to pop up. Well, those ab initio programs are designed with somebody coming basically into the industry with zero experience. And so that's a different uh, teaching. And we we have um, ab initio programs popping up at airlines all over, and they do their training, some of it at the airline. So those instructors are getting the hands-on experience with those fresh new people coming in. And then you have your new hires that are coming in. Like you said, I, I enjoy the new hires. They're a lot of fun because they're, you know, their first major airline and, and they're just so excited. They, they're usually younger. They're very excited to be there. A lot of them first time on a jet if they're coming from a turboprop or something like that or a smaller jet to the larger jets. And uh, they're, they're just loving it. They eat it up. You know, most of them come from smaller airlines that don't have the the robust support structure that we do and all the things that we do. Um, and so that's a lot of fun as well. So it's, it's only in my opinion to kind of piggyback off what you said to me, it's only stale if you let it, let it, because there is always something going on and you can always transfer between various positions and things of that nature. But there's so many new people coming into the business right now. It's, it's really a lot of fun. Interesting what you said. I mean, there's people come right from like never flying a jet to doing this. As a matter of fact, one of our co-hosts, uh, Paul, is doing that right now. He's transitioning to the Airbus from uh, flying a Dash 8. And uh, we were just having a discussion yesterday. And I'm wondering, uh, just as an aside, because I'm sure people are interested, um, do you see challenges as far as the, the people come from, from, say, the turboprop world, say, flying a C-130, going over to a jet or whatever, or going from a, a Dash 8, et cetera? Um, or, or is it not really as big of a deal as I think people make it out to be? I think it's... I don't think it's a big deal. However, I do think you have to understand or not have to, but would want to understand maybe what hurdles you're going to see depending on where you come from. And, you know, for instance, you kind of mentioned in there as a C-130 pilot, for instance, well, that that's military to me, right? So somebody who comes in as a military pilot, they're going to bring a lot of great stuff to the table. However, they have a completely different perspective on um, how we how you manage the cockpit because it and what I mean by that is in the military, it's very much um, X's and O's, black and white. Well, in the aviation industry, we have to manage play a lot of different roles, right? We've got a we've got passengers in the back who may need assistance. We have in-flight crew members who may need an, need assistance in-flight crew members that we have to communicate during non-normal situations. We have ground operations personnel that are asking us questions, giving us bag counts, all these different things. I'll actually find with the military, that's sometimes their hard transition is not flying the airplane. It's managing all these extra activities that they're not used to, all these extra distractions, if you will, that they're not used to when they're preparing their cockpit and doing those things. Um, But they also have very good. They're generally very good at multitasking and and really, you know, the book knowledge side of things. 
Um, and then, like you said, if you're coming from a turboprop at, say, a smaller airline, maybe you're flying a, a Saab 340 or a Beach 1900 or a Dash 8, absolutely, and you're going to the jet. Usually those people, I see that their hand-flying skills, um, their scans, all of those kinds of things are remarkable. However, it's the speed at which everything happens that's usually an adjustment for them. That and getting into the more modern avionics, you know, programming what we call the box or the McDo or the FMS, if you will, um, programming all that, managing VNAV and LNAV and all these different automated functions within the jet. And then also just the sheer speed of it, you know, because a Dash 8 doesn't climb quite like an Airbus or an E-190. Uh, even on one motor, um, you know, the E-190, you can still get two, 3,000 feet a minute. A Dash 8 will not give you 3,000 feet a minute on a single motor. So <laughs> <laughs> that, that is for sure. But, you know, it's interesting you said that about, and I'm glad you said that, about the fact that uh, managing those speeds. I was actually at a meeting uh, at an event where the president of the Society of Experimental Test Pilots was there, and he actually happened to be a, a retired airline pilot and said uh, something along the lines of people have to, or I'm sorry, he was the former president, uh, people have to learn how to think at 500 miles an hour when they move over to a jet. And that's kind of the transition that, that can be a challenge for some people. So if you're listening and you're about to go to an airline to, about to fly a jet, uh, that will be a challenge. But if you think about it and you're ready for it, it makes it a little bit easier. Uh, I find uh, when I transition to jets, it's uh, slowing down and going down and all those things. Uh, they, that can be a little more difficult, and you have to plan way far out. You're at you know, 39,000 feet, and you have to land at sea level. You have to figure out when you need to start descending and how fast you need to descend and, uh, and all those type of things. And that you can get behind the, the, the curveball real, 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 real or power curve very, very quickly. So, and that's where somebody like yourself comes in is that you're in the simulator and say, hey, listen, I know you're coming from a turboprop. Now you have the challenge of teaching that person how to go from that turboprop into a jet. And that right there is one of the cool things, I think, about being an instructor. I think you'd agree, right, Justin? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's, you know, it's that dynamic, like we kind of talked about earlier. Um, those are the great things that keep it from, you know, why it doesn't get stale, you know, because you get so many different people in their various backgrounds um, and what they're capable of. And, and we even try to do that here with our parents. You know, if we have uh, two new hires that are one is coming from a turboprop at a regional We'll try to pair them with somebody who's maybe coming from a jet, either at a regional or in the military. We always try to pair military with civilian, because if you're coming from a regional, you already have an understanding of talking to the flight attendants and doing all these things. And the military person has a usually has a very robust knowledge and understanding of SOPs and and how to manage all that and manage the jet and all those kinds of different things. So. Um, you know, a guy flying an F-18, he's already thinking 10 miles ahead of the airplane. Uh, sometimes you got to slow him down, you know. So we try to pair them together for that reason as well. And it's a lot of fun getting to work with each one and seeing the differences um, in how the training curriculum affects people from different backgrounds. So, 
Well, Justin, I think you, you kind of sold me on the instructor position. I think a lot of people listening now, we're coming up on a time constraint. And one of the things I'd, I'd like to do is invite those that are listening. If you're interested in becoming an instructor at an airline, send us uh, your questions. Feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. I will forward those to, to Justin, and we will answer them. And, and hopefully, Justin, you'll maybe come back on again, and we'll talk a little bit and answer some of those questions. Yeah, absolutely. I always uh, enjoy being on here, Carl, and um, I would definitely, anytime and any questions that you get, uh, I'm more than happy to answer. So it's this this business is all about um, continuing education, development. You know, as my father said, if you stop learning in aviation, then you need to stop flying. So. I like that. I like that philosophy because you are always constantly uh, learning something new and trying to, to move forward and make yourself a better pilot. You know, Justin also is involved in helping people in their financial life. And like I said, go to episode 167 and discover a little bit about, you know, starting your financial uh, life early, especially as a, as a pilot. I know, you're, you know a lot of folks are just getting started. If you're not just getting started, it doesn't matter. You'll learn something uh, from our discussion there. And we are uh, working on a new course to have uh, on our online courses, aviationcareerspodcast.com slash courses. Uh, you can just go there and check it out. Click on the courses tab, and we're going to have more and more courseware out there available. Uh, you know, I hear you. I mean, we, we definitely listen to what you say. One of the things that uh, I th- I've gotten a lot of feedback about is the fact that you enjoyed having uh, a lot of folks like signing up for that monthly membership where they got all those courses uh, involved in that membership. Uh, we have some courses in the membership, some outside, and it usually has to do with the agreements with the people that are actually uh, forming the courseware. So some of the people we put into our monthly, some you have to actually purchase those courses separately. Uh, so you'll see those on there. There's all sorts of stuff out there. There's also the courses from Stuck Mike Avcast where we talk about specifics of flying and you know holding patterns and things like that. Advanced Guide to Holding Patterns is out there. By the way, that's also included in our, in our monthly membership. Uh, but uh, man... Tell you what, Justin, this has been awesome talking to you. We could go on for hours talking about aviation and teaching and flying, and we're probably going to talk a little bit about a few of those things after the podcast. We're definitely going to have you back on again. This has been great, and we are. Uh, I know, Justin, you're you're developing a course where now it's going to take a, a few months to get that down as far as uh, uh, you know financial advice and uh, a plan uh, for your future here as an airline pilot because there's a lot of unique things in your life as an airline pilot, and, we, and I really highly recommend you listening to. 167. Justin, uh, I really appreciate what you do and what you do at the airlines with the teaching and, uh, and, and actually being a mentor to a lot of people and a lot of folks uh, that are, are new to the aviation world. And uh, it, it's been just, just a pleasure being with you today. Well, I appreciate it, Carl. Yeah, it's always a pleasure being here. And I really enjoy working with you. You do a lot of great work as well. Uh, with the mentoring and, and preparing people coming into this business. Um, it's, you know, for some of us, for myself, I've been in it so long, I, I don't know anything else. Uh, but I do realize with people, it's, you know, and, and people understand that it's it's very different. Um, it's a different lifestyle. So uh, being prepared, having an understanding of that stuff is is what we enjoy doing, helping people do. And um, so I always enjoy being here. And I think you do a lot of great work yourself. So 
Well, thanks, Justin. And if you're listening right now and you've heard what uh, Justin has to say about being an instructor, just write to us if you have questions. Uh, but also make sure that if you're thinking about this as an instructor position or, or anything at an airline, that uh, you know, getting started in your career and moving forward in anything you do in life, say you're listening and say, okay, this isn't what I want to do. From listening to your hundred and some odd podcasts, I've realized that uh, you know I don't want to be an airline pilot. If you want to be an airline pilot, you want to be an instructor, you want to be in safety, you want to be an accountant, whatever that is, what you need to do is is not just sit there idly. You need to move forward in your career. And the way that you do that is really simple. You take a step today to move forward in whatever it is you want to do. Say it is being an instructor at an airline. Take that step today. Look online. Listen to podcasts like this. Share those with other people. Listen to all the different shows that are online. Research on the internet. Ask questions. But the most important thing is to move forward. You have to do one thing. You have to take that small step today to move forward in your life, in your career. And I want you to do that now. After you stop this podcast or tomorrow, get off this podcast, maybe call somebody, ask them a question, talk to somebody who's a mentor in your life, in your world. But do that. Do that today. We'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.